0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Compete Waffle. My name's Alicia Edge. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Compete Nutrition. I'm also an advanced sports dietitian working mainly with Football Australia at the moment alongside leading our team of sports dietitians as part of Compete. Now Compete is a tech startup. So we are busy, busy, busy building um, all the things that we need to really scale our reach and impact to you guys, the active individuals really looking for your best performance and whether that best performance be on the pitch, in a race or in life, it's all really, you know, it's up to you how you define performance basically. So I do need to apologize for the waffle being a little bit uh, not frequent at the moment. Um, You know, it's been a busy time being the co-founder of a tech startup is really volatile. It's high stress and um, at times some things had to fall off and that unfortunately was the podcast for now but the important thing is is we're back. Um, I'm feeling really excited and invigorated for this next chapter of who we are chatting to and who we're reaching out to and this first episode back um, we're looking to um, chat to an incredible dietitian who I have really enjoyed connecting with. It's always nice to connect with like-minded professionals and Luke is one of those people who really does just put the person first in everything he does. And one thing that I continue to notice and our team of dietitians have continued to notice is that even though those aspects of chronic fatigue, um, burnout always come up in conversation with you guys, it was more so in the last couple of years than we've ever seen, but also additional to that and adding to that is those impacts of long COVID that some of you have been experiencing or experienced. and. What we wanted to cover in this episode is what is happening um, in all those types of aspects of fatigue, um, chronic fatigue, burnout, long COVID, all of those types of things, but also what kind of things we can do with our nutrition, our food choices, and also any supplements that we can consider in helping us recover from these types of things. So Luke was our go-to for this reason that he has specialized all his nutrition work within what we consider invisible illness. And he does a great job of um, Explaining what that means and what that is in the first part of this episode so I won't do it now. Um... But the um, biggest thing, I think, and the most uh, the pertinent thing that you'll get out of this episode, even if you're not someone who has experienced you know, that feeling of burnout, chronic fatigue, or even that long COVID, you'll get a lot out of this episode in terms of considering where you're currently at with your food, but also where you're currently at with your life and your capacity to fuel yourself effectively. And it's really important that we don't just base everything on the science of nutrition, but also consider your capacity to share. Shop and cook and prepare food and even your capacity to tolerate that or even have the appetite for it. It can all vary so much depending on you know, all those things that we're currently experiencing, but also our mental health, our energy levels and all of those things. So um, I've loved talking to Luke and connecting to Luke for that reason, that he is always considering not just the science, but also how we can actually enact that into a behavior change for you and help to help you to feel empowered with those little behaviors and little actions that you can take on a daily basis to get you towards recovery. Um, so I. Basically, I'm going to leave you with Luke because otherwise I'm just going to keep going on about how awesome he is and you don't need to hear that. You need to actually hear from Luke. Um, But if you haven't already, you can download our app for free um, just by searching Compete, C-O-M-P-E-A-T, Nutrition in your app store. It's a free download. All the recipes are free. You can start exploring. And if at any point in time you'd like to upgrade to work with one of our performance dietitians, you can literally just click a button. You get connected straight away, zero waiting time, uh, and it is taking away that you know standard consult model and opening access to a dietitian to really coach you through those changes um, that you can make over the day, but also working through the challenges that pop up at all times, um, whether that be in the shops, whether that be in the kitchen, whether that be in the training or in the workplace, uh, and really helping you move through that in a way that feels really effective and efficient for you. So um, definitely jump on if you haven't already. And with that, I'm going to leave it there and hand over to our discussion with Luke. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining the Compete Waffle, Luke. It's such a pleasure to have you on.
1: No, it's my absolute pleasure, Alicia. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, You're very welcome. We we're just chatting about your Victorian days and having a bit of AFL and returning to AFL. So that's epic. It's so fun to see you back in there.
1: Yeah, it's really <laughs> cool. I'm so glad to be uh, playing when I thought I, I wouldn't come back. But uh, that's a story for another day.
0: I know. And as a dietitian, you know, it's a bit of a side project. But <laughs> as we all know, we like getting out there and finding something that we can do outside of that work and, you know, stress life, of life, I guess
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah now the reason i reached out to luke was luke specializes in a really interesting field um that has come more and more relevant in my day-to-day than i'd ever thought it would uh, and that is in that invisible illness side of things so can you explain to me what i mean when, I, when i'm saying that invisible side of things when it's about how you're feeling uh, and things that you know may not be always measurable
1: yeah absolutely so um When we use the term invisible illnesses um, in the context that we do where I work, um, we are talking about pretty specific conditions, but I guess you could go ahead and say invisible illnesses is is any condition that someone would live with where you might be walking down the street and you might walk past them and you might think they are a a perfectly functional human being, which I know is a... um, (laughs) A little bit of a funny statement in itself because everyone's got their stuff, but you might think, oh, yeah, cool. They'll do everything that I can do, blah, 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 blah. And actually, they live with a debilitating condition that takes away um, some, if not quite a lot of their capacity. So these conditions that we see quite um, frequently in our clinic and we classes as our invisible illness cluster are chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgic encephalomyelitis. Try and say that three times fast. I'm not
0: even repeating
1: it. No. Um, chronic pain conditions, so that might be anything from fibromyalgia syndrome to chronic regional pain syndrome, or pain sensitization is a um, probably the term that we're using more often now. Um, conditions of dysautonomia or autonomic nervous system dysfunction, like orthostatic hypertension, orthostatic intolerance, or postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or POTS is something that a lot of people are hearing about now. Um, because of another one of these invisible illnesses that I'll mention, which is our our long COVID um, or our post-acute sequelae of COVID. Um, The other ones that we have sort of come across more recently, but they've definitely been there the whole time are hypermobility spectrum disorders um also known as connective tissue disorders and one of the really uh, prominent ones of those is ellis danlos syndrome or eds um now lots of our athletic population actually have or could potentially have one of these connective tissue disorders because these people are our amazing singers dancers swimmers gymnasts all of our really flexible um amazing athletes who can do all these wonderful things with their bodies um Unfortunately, the people that we end up seeing have have that ability and have had that ability, but they've also had some um, really unfortunate events in their life that have caused those wonderful abilities that they have to become things that are now problematic for them um, in their day-to-day life and with their day-to-day capacity. We also work with some conditions that um, really focus on allergy and immunology-based things uh, like mast activation syndrome. as you can imagine, when your whole body is flaring up on you, one of the things that's going to want to protect you is your immune system. And sometimes that can start protecting things that um, or reacting to things that it doesn't really need to react to, and that can cause issues as well. And all of these conditions can really come together or they can come separately. Um, they can be something like a long COVID, which is a post-viral illness, or they can be something genetic that's been sitting there and um and is unmasked by a, a particular trigger or event. Um, in someone's life that's not really a basic explanation is it but it's probably the best that I can do in terms Ah. of um, condensing that explanation Alicia
0: yeah and I think what you've done is really highlighted how diverse it is and how complex it is particularly as you highlighted one of these things may not be working in isolation there might be multiple Mm. things at play and I think one of the big pieces and why I'm excited to um, chat today is sometimes this isn't um, really well known it, when you go to your GP and you're trying to explain all these things, all these things that you've been living and experiencing mm. for a really long time, it doesn't always show really clearly and it doesn't always come across really clearly. And so, what place do you play and um, who's part of that multidisciplinary team that you're referring to when you're working with?
1: Yeah, you? absolutely. So, um, I work at a, a place called Active Health Clinic in um, Victoria, here in Melbourne. Um, and our team is made up currently of uh, exercise physiologists and dieticians. Um, we also have mm, very robust links with psychologists, with occupational therapists, with physiotherapists, um, with our psychiatrists, so we're heading in medical direction now, um, gastroenterologists, cardiologists, um, allergists, immunologists, um, oh, yeah, you wow. know, pretty much. And rheumatologists is a big one, especially for our our pain um, and our hypermobile populations, and also geneticists too. If we're heading down the hypermobile route, so really, when we're talking about a multidisciplinary team, we're talking about a a multidisciplinary team. Yeah. It is um lots and lots of people. Now we don't have all of those in our clinic. That would be wonderful. Um, but we there is a a network of um, practitioners across. Not only Melbourne, but Australia, um, New Zealand, we have got more connections with now and, and um, Europe and the US um, in particular, too, um, that we work with to try and get people who live with these conditions the best care possible and try and get them to return to life and return to the things that they, they really love.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm going to nail into like that fatigue side, but also probably some Mm. of the post-COVID stuff. For our audience, um, particularly those who are active, these are the areas that we'll generally see most often. So if we're looking at that chronic fatigue, what's the difference between, you know, being a bit tired or overtrained compared to when, you know, that common versus normal kind of conversation where it might be something a little bit more sinister or something to seek um, more support in?
1: Yeah, great question. Great question. So um, the example I use, and you'd be pretty familiar with this, Alicia. You're a busy person, right? We get to you know Friday night, and um, and we get home, and we're sitting on the couch. Perhaps we're watching some sport, and we just go, oh, I can't, I can't even get through you know the first half of this. I'm just going to go to bed. Mm. And you wake up Saturday morning, and you you go, ah, oh, I can go and play footy. No worries. That's tired. Hmm. Okay, you've got that fatigue, um, tiredness set in. We use those terms interchangeably in a colloquial sense, but they're definitely different things. You've got that on the Friday night. You go to bed. Your sleep is refreshing. You wake up Saturday morning. You're good to go. A fatigue, and and particularly a, a chronic fatigue or a burnout, some might call it, is where that sleep, even if it is refreshing, is no longer enough to get you up and active to 95 100 the next day and more than that we're actually having a, a compounding increase in fatigue decreasing uh, capacity for daily activities over over a period of time um, and that might be simply work stuff or it might be your training load specifically but it won't be Um, It won't probably be just isolated to one area. It'll be across many areas of your life. Um, It might be more subtle than this. It might be in in an emotional way. It might be with your relationships. It might be with um, a whole bunch of different stuff. You might notice this decrease in your capacity across your life over time um, that isn't renewed or refreshed by sleep, by rest, by holiday. Um, And if it is, to a certain extent, as soon as you jump back in and try and get back to your full capacity, you end up right back where you started. Mm. That's the first sign that people will have that they're actually entering a, a burnout and after that progressively into a chronic fatigue state. Mm.
0: I think a lot of us could probably resonate with that, isn't it? Like particularly yeah. over the last couple of years.
1: Ah, oh, and it has been um, really upsetting Working in the space that I do to see how many people who pre-COVID, and I think we've all experienced this to a certain extent, just across uh across the population, right? Pre-COVID, they were doing so many things. Like, I can't tell you how many things, even myself, I used to do in a day or in a week pre-COVID. And then we got into this lockdown spot and we were like, oh, we're rested, we're not doing anything. But the toll that, that took on us emotionally, mentally, cognitively, has kind of led to this sort of population-wide burnout that we're now having to deal with and then you've got people who are getting infected with COVID and then the flu and then rhinitis on top of all of that and that's putting this stress I'm moving around in my chair this is me getting passionate and that's putting stress on the body that is so far greater than what um what we actually have capacity to to deal with in a lot of cases and over the short term that might be okay but when we're hitting getting hit again 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 yeah. um, it's really something that we've got to consider um as something that's going to modulate how how much we do in our lives and what we what we do in our lives because if we don't we end up where in that state where sleep is no longer refreshing rest is no longer refreshing mm-hmm. and um we get into a a cycle of debt with our energy if you like
0: mm. like you mentioned this um the covid and also just the illness at the moment I, I know our family's gone through the flu which has been such a time It's been awful so
1: right <laughs> yeah, okay. oh, yeah. And we and really all tag
0: teamed it was amazing yeah um but i think with the covid side one thing i've noticed is you know it's one thing to go okay i'm unwell for this point in time But particularly for those who are active or identify as either an athlete or an active individual, it's really hard to know or even take pause, first of all, to even give yourself permission to rest. But also um, that uh, difficulty coming back for some, not all, um, but some where they are feeling those longer symptoms. Do do you have a um, way of like kind of explaining what's happening there? So why is that for some people and not for others? And what kind of things can we do to get through it?
1: Yeah. I guess without being an exercise professional, um, obviously you know dietitian work mainly yeah. with food, and um, uh, I'll talk later about I guess my role yeah. in in all of this. But um, uh, really, giving you you touched on something really important there, Alicia, and that's giving yourself permission to rest, to take days off, to listen to your body, and understand or try to understand what it's telling you. That's really the first step. Mm. Um, so as you said. Some, not everyone. Um, I've known people who have kept up their training load during a acute COVID infection and not had any problems with that whatsoever and, and sort of got through and being fine. And then I've known people, some of the fittest people I've, uh, I've ever come across who it's decimated their ability to, to return to training two, three months down, down the track. Um, And the first thing for those people, if I can just think back to some examples that I've worked with, is giving yourself permission to actually go about um, resting, go about listening to your body and understanding, okay, well, um, sometimes we can push through some stuff, but perhaps this isn't the time to do that. Um, The second thing is really finding a, um, a baseline. So finding whatever stage in your um whatever stage in your journey you're at with your fatigue finding what you can do in a day that isn't going to cause you to worsen that fatigue in days or weeks following um now again not being an exercise professional i'm not going to suggest how you might actually go about that i I work with 13 wonderful eps who would be more than able to to help you in that journey but it, it does take some trial and error, and it does take some um, some tracking, I guess, of what you're doing. Which, as athletes or people who identify as athletes, we're probably pretty used to doing. Um, knowing, you know, what we're actually doing with our training loads and our volumes, we've got to extend that sort of um, that sort of tracking, that sort of understanding to the rest of our our lives, our work, our social contact, um, and importantly for us, Alicia, our food intake and what we're actually doing to nourish our bodies. Because in times of fatigue, one of the things that I've noticed across the last three years is that the energy that we are allowing ourselves to consume from food, when we're in this fatigue state, when we're trying to replenish our bodies in a physical, cognitive, emotional, environmental, social way, um, the food that we're gonna consume in that time can help us do that in an amazing way. And if we're not doing it properly, it can hinder
0: Hmm.
1: what we're trying to do in those areas as well. Um, And sometimes it feels really strange to fuel or you might consider overfuel in times when you're not training, in times when you're not doing stuff with your body that we'd normally uh, normally go, yep, okay, I can allow myself this because I'm I'm in a training mode, but it's vitally important. I can't overstate this. It's vitally important that we're fueling our bodies properly. in this time, while we're identifying that baseline is while we're trying to to come back from um, from what this infection, what this what these symptoms are, are making us feel.
0: Yeah, now is not the time to restrict. And th- that's something I repeat often in injury as well. Uh, it's a really common thing, particularly if you've always been someone who is active or in that athlete space. All you've ever known is movement and you probably have a relationship with food that is very much equating well, if I train, I need to eat, or if I eat, I need to train. And that is very much how you have always thought about food and it's just naturally kind of happened. So when you get rid of that training, it can be really threatening and really uncomfortable to then even try and give yourself permission to fuel and permission to eat um, without that but your body is working very hard even if it's a different kind of activity than you're used to to recover and get yourself better so yeah that um, need to not restrict right now it's not the time to restrict Um, that's
1: exactly right yeah that's exactly right and if i can be a little bit technical for a second When we're looking at this, um, this idea of a chronic fatigue, whether it is driven from a long COVID perspective, whether it is driven from a, another viral illness or an overtraining over an extent of time, your central nervous system is actually under so much pressure that it's causing your body to, to not function in a way that it normally would. Mm. Um, we, we nourish our bodies through food in a way to allow ourselves to recover from that that nervous system pressure that that fatigue that the nervous system is experiencing just like you would when you go through um a certain training block where you're you're trying to to contribute to that that nervous system fatigue we've 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 done that in another way or over a period of time with our training whatever the cause might be that is too much And it, that may not be our fault. And that might be a really hard thing to come to terms with um, as someone who you know generally has control over how their body feels. Um, and they, this goes back to the identity conversation that we had briefly before, doesn't it? Um, it? It's going to this sort of thing is going to impact how how we feel or who we feel we are. Mm. Um, and I just really want to want to say, and this isn't the technical part, but this experiencing these symptoms doesn't doesn't change who you are as a person, mm. um, but it does change how we might need to operate for a little while to allow our bodies to do the, re- the recovering thing that we need to. But that, the, the real point is that nervous system is under, under pressure and we've got to relieve ourselves of that pressure for a little mm-hmm. while.
0: Mm. and and let's talk about where food comes in there so we've talked a little bit about energy and we might you know you might feel like we need to talk about that a little bit more because it is such like that core foundation of that first step almost yeah. What other things can we do in times of, you know, fatigue, you know, on any level of that spectrum, um, but also in times where we do feel like there is a really big recovery piece here in whether it be long COVID, whether it be chronic fatigue or overtraining, all these types of things. What pace does food have in that recovery, and what kind of things can we trial both in food, and there might also be supplements and things that we add in as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um- so i can't i can't overstate the role of of just energy balance in this um in this time as you mentioned but i won't i won't harp on too much about it it's probably something you know we talk about quite frequently with with training um it just needs to be we need to we need to deliver food to our bodies in a way that is going to be sustainable over this period of fatigue and i mentioned sustainability because at times during this fatigue you may feel like it is physically impossible for you to get the amount of food in that you need to you may feel like um, the types of foods that you're leaning towards are really inconsistent with your normal dietary pattern what you'd normally consume uh, to fuel your body for for your training or just your everyday life Uh, i just want to assure you that at this time that is perfectly okay and in fact it's probably necessary because Our body does consume energy to digest and absorb our food. So we've got to consider that we've also got to consider that the preparation, the cooking, the shopping, all of that sort of stuff that we'd normally do to have that really well-rounded, well-balanced diet that we might be so used to and really thrive off, that all takes energy and that's really hard. And right now your body is, is struggling to have the energy potentially to just like get up and down the stairs without Feeling like you need to take a break for five minutes because you're short of breath, or you know, any number of examples. So, first things first, if you're leaning towards options with food that are not your usual, that is okay. We need to take advantage of the things like our ready-to-eat meals. We need to take advantage of things like our our snacks, um, like our easy-to-grab options. We need to put them in places that we're going to be for long periods of time while we are resting. So when it becomes time to eat or when we feel those cues, we can get to the food easily and we're not going about skipping meals or snacks because it's simply too hard. Um, So I guess uh, without going into it too much more than that, that would be the most important thing we can do with food and using um, some of those tools and strategies, which we'd call fatigue-friendly food strategies, um, to make those changes to your your diet the food that you are um consuming on a day-to-day that you need to to get you through this time and make sure you're consuming enough energy it's mm-hmm. not just going to be about the the quality that will come that will come later
0: yeah and we can
1: get to that but we just need to make sure you're you're fueling your body Enough at that time, first. I
0: love that. And it, and it really highlights why we need to let go of that dichotomous thinking around food, where it's not black and white, it's not good and bad, it's mm. all on this spectrum of what is your current capacity, what's the best option in this moment in time for you, no matter what adversity you're coming across. That resilience around food and that flexibility around food is so, so critical. And it is okay to go for those easy options, the convenient options, the more energy-dense options, the less clean options, in inverted commas, because I hate that word, but it's that language that you need to kind of let go of, of going you know, your ideal, that healthiest option actually may not be the healthiest option for you right now. Um, And and that's a really hard thing to sometimes let go of. And I love that you've put that capacity in there because it's so critical. And I think anyone who's listening who's also had mental health challenges um, will probably feel, you know, and empathize with those same feelings of, you know, I know it's really important that I eat well right now. I know that there's this, you know, best practice, but I can't stress enough that nutrition is a science and, you know, Luke and I are talking science, but that eating is a behavior and you still need to be able to shop and cook and have capacity that suits you. And that may actually mean letting go of shopping and cooking as much as possible and choosing the easiest option to then allow yourself, as you said, Luke, to get to the ideal, but that'll take time. It's a bit of a journey.
1: Absolutely. And we've also got to remember that we have these wonderful things called nutrition supplements, that if you need to hit certain things in a time of low capacity, we can utilize to help us achieve what what we want to achieve in that that sense. Um, It might even be that we have to go back to relying on um, some things like like our old liquid nutrition um, in conjunction with some of our food for a certain period of time, um, particularly if, uh, and if I can branch into the more invisible in its face for a second with some of these mm. other conditions, right? Particularly if these um, viral illnesses of training, of fatigue that's come on for whatever reason um, is stemming from, you know, an underlying, maybe we haven't discovered it before one of these invisible illnesses, um, we're going to get we, we might start to experience some things that we we find really, um, really troubling. We might get the dizziness, lightheadedness, fainting, nausea is a big one. Um, things that we don't normally experience with our general day to day or our, our eating. Um, we might start to experience gut symptoms that we've never had before that really impact on what types of foods you can eat and take away some of your normals. Um, like fingers, toes, arms, legs crossed, that never happens to, to anyone listening to this. But uh, it is something that, that, that does happen. And uh, I have patients who sit on my couch every day and and tell me that this is what's happened for them. Um, so we we might need to go back to some um, some supplemental ideas and stuff. I um, won't touch too much on that, but that's no, just no, that's something great. to keep well, in mind. If you think for people. About, you
0: know... Even just that word supplement, I think sometimes, you know, the supplement industry are all about those, you know, the one percenters and, oh, well, I'm not athlete enough to warrant having a supplement Mm you know but if you actually go back to that word supplement what does it actually mean and you're literally just wanting to supplement that intake and that may be you know for high performance but it may be actually at the other end of that spectrum where you're supplementing what you're able or capable of having right now and that can absolutely be going back to basics and ensuring that that number one thing of getting enough energy in and nutrients in is ticked first
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um in terms of i guess Specific supplement, Mm -hmm, if you like. yeah, Yeah, Um, as as I've spoken about in um, you know, other mediums, we unfortunately, particularly with the long COVID stuff, it's just too soon. Um, we don't have anything really solid. There are particular um people worldwide who are going down particular um routes for supplement protocols and stuff. Um. We are researching a couple of really, um, really general supplements. Like it's nothing fancy. it's nothing new that we're sort of you know, bringing out of a lab somewhere and going, "Yeah, this is going to help people." Um, we're looking at vitamin D.
0: Yeah.
1: We're looking at omega three.
0: Yeah.
1: We're looking at vitamin C, um, yeah. and we're looking at a couple of um, a couple of spices. So mm-hmm. your your general sort of. Touted as anti-inflammatory, and I've got my quotation marks up here, but there is some there is some evidence to support um, that things like like turmeric um, can have those effects. Hmm. Um, nothing huge, nothing that's game-changing. These are sort of the one percenters, but for, particularly for people who are suffering um, or living with uh, COVID symptoms longer term, it hmm. seems like things with anti inflammatory properties are helping them um so you know those those vitamin d doses and um that's mainly in people who are vitamin d deficient i'll just Mm. caveat um but they seem to be helping increasing omega-3s as well um and our unsaturated fats in 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 a more general term seem to be helpful and that makes sense by extension from a nervous system health perspective you know all those fatty acids are what what really protects and supports our nervous system function Mm. um and then the vitamin c stuff um, Yes, there's lots out there on that, but nothing that I'd be sort of, um, you know, I'd be comfortable saying it to to patients Mm -hmm. because it's pretty harmless, Um, but nothing solid that says this much vitamin C is going to give you this sort of benefit in the research just yet. Um, But those are the type of things that we're looking at at the moment. And hopefully um, there'll be flow on effects for people who live with non-long COVID chronic fatigue and some of these other invisible illnesses down the track. And that's been one of the silver linings, I guess, from the pandemic for us is that um, people are actually taking uh, notice and paying attention and, and doing research into the symptoms that our patients have been experiencing. Um, I mean, I haven't been here for this long, but uh, for 14 years
0: mm, exactly right and, and actually listening to those stories i, I yeah. think it's a really key thing right um you know in western medicine i think there is that tendency to go i can't see it i can't measure it and so therefore i can't treat it yeah. whereas there's now this listening of going hang on there is more to this i i can listen and we can actually do some things in other areas that you know um and an openness also to research dollars which is a really big thing as well um yeah and
1: there's been none of it right mm-hmm. until until all of this long COVID came up um i actually have a presentation that i'll give to patients um mm-hmm. in our in our group settings that goes through i guess the research that's been done on some of the more um i call it i call it diet myth busting but really it's just like gluten-free dairy-free mm-hmm. keto like some of those more mm-hmm. um you know, common diets that people will try and attempt to, to help with, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of things, but some of these invisible illnesses. And, um, and I, I've done a, a literature review on, on each of those to see where chronic fatigue or chronic pain has actually come up in each of those. And there's, um, most of them have none, like yeah. nothing. I think for keto, there was one pilot study with three people um, but they didn't even get into ketosis. Like it was yeah. really, really low or no um, no research into it
0: yeah.
1: whatsoever. Um, and that's, that's disappointing for us right now, but it's really exciting. Um, and like I said, one of the only silver linings to come from this whole yeah. thing is we're actually getting people interested in, in the research in it now. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that. Inflammation side of things, right? I think mm. that's a term that we toss around quite comfortably in this conversation, and it's probably a term that's tossed around quite comfortably, maybe too comfortably, in social media.
1: 100. What do we
0: actually mean by inflammation, um, and when is it a problem? But also, what do we mean by anti-inflammatory um, and anti-inflammatory foods?
1: So, really, it's a really interesting question because I think if you ask most people they shrug their shoulders right mm.
0: um
1: yet we use this so yeah so commonly um so commonly so i guess for me uh when i'm thinking about information information means a couple of different things um information to me really uh, in my most common concept uh concept when i'm talking about it with patients it's actually a response of the um, the immune system to protect against a an insult, an yeah, injury. It's a
0: good thing, yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. A exactly right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We so with, it. it might be it might be like muscular injury. It might be um, an allergic response, and your body's degranulated all these mast cells to you know release your histamines and your leukotrienes, and your your trip days to try and like protect the area and stop whatever the allergen is from. Mm causing anaphylaxis right like um that's a good thing for our body um we also use inflammation um in a well i mean this is the the most common way we'd use it in that in that negative sense when we're talking about a, a chronic inflammation on the body or a chronic um stress on the body now i don't even know if i could sit here and define to you what that means alicia because it um it really gets used in so many different contexts that probably um, aren't correct. And it's been, it's been muddled up and jumbled for so long that it it's created this shroud of mystery around all the, the <laughs> chronic the inflammation. Now, it and yeah, yeah, it yeah, is, it's, it's just, just, just a word. word. Yeah. yeah.
0: Basically what we want to do though, is ensure that, you know, we definitely celebrate that acute sense, right? So mm. as you said, Luke, and that acute past sense of inflammation is actually really important. We don't You know, we want to boost our immune system. The heightened immune system isn't actually what we want. We want our immune system to be able to respond, but we want our immune system to actually be able to back down as well. Mm. When that immune system doesn't switch off, that chronic inflammation side, that's generally when you're stepping in Luke and really going, okay, what is going on here? What is that anti-inflammatory side of things that we can do um, to help and support <laughs> that to, that to um, lessen? But yeah, it's a really interesting thing that I think inflammation is often said in a negative sense, but actually it's such a critical part to the human functioning and also recovering in all sense of the word. but yeah when it doesn't switch off, when it is that chronic state, there's lots of different symptoms and lots of different things that can be at play
1: yeah and i guess i'd um i use the word information before yeah. in in the context of supplements and stuff because mm-hmm. i guess that's what researchers Absolutely. and stuff are trying to aim for because yeah. they've seen um you know they might i've read a study um recently about like the the actual like swelling effect on different mm-hmm. organs with with um conditions like long COVID and um mm-hmm. how that 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 protective barrier that we see in in an acute um mm-hmm. setting in an acute injury is prolonged for too long. Now, um, that's not usually what we're referring to by chronic inflammation. What I guess that the terminology that I'd use now in our invisibleness is a, is a chronic stress on the body. And I use that because it encompasses more than just that physical trauma, that physical insult injury. It's across the cognitive, Mm. emotional, um, environmental, social, spiritual, if you like, spectrum of things that can can contribute to a mm. a weighing down on the system if you like mm. and um and that's really what contributes to this nervous system fatigue that we talked about before mm. uh not just physical uh yeah physical if we go towards like a gut sense like mm. oh, eating pro-inflammatory foods mm. or whatever like that's mm. not at all what it is it's, it's mm. this whole spectrum of things that actually impact our life as a whole mm.
0: Yeah. So basically, if you hear that one thing can uh, solve your inflammation, you can probably call BS. <laughs>
1: uh, yes. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly right.
0: Because <laughs> it isn't that simple, unfortunately. We wish it was. Yes. Yeah, that would make things a lot easier. Now, I also work with um, a lot of athletes with chronic um, that pain, really, uh, in all spectrums. I've got um, para, a para athlete in particular that's in my mind who is. In awful chronic pain constantly, sport is actually, you know, really the only thing that um eases that pain or at least distracts her from that pain. Um, and yeah, but we've also got chronic pain in um, the injury sense as well, where you might just play through or you might just um, insist, like you're doing a little bit, Luke, in your AFL, I'm like I'm winning, but I am yep. definitely still playing. Um, so in the pain sense, are there things food wise or supplement wise that can be utilized or considered? Yes, but I love that. yes, but
1: um, it's not as as you said before, it's not as simple as just that one thing um, that's going to to beat the chronic pain or or um, or, or I guess, decrease it. We've really got to look at the whole spectrum of, um, of things here. And um, one of the things that we've been working on with, um, with pain in particular and food is not actually what you eat, but how you're eating. Now, that might sound really funny. How can I help myself with an injury or with um, a pain that I experience uh, you know, chronically in my back or in my shoulder or migraines or headaches or whatever the pain might be by thinking uh, more about and taking more care about how I'm eating my food and not what I'm eating my uh, You know, like, surely there's just something that I can take, like a supplement or something that's going to help me. No. Well, there, there might be, but there's nothing really. Um, there's something really huge out there to say that that there's lots of evidence towards this one thing otherwise we'd be all taking it uh, me in particular I didn't <laughs> I need, right but what we're talking about here with the how you eat thing is more understanding um body body cues body body responses to yeah. food and that then being extrapolated out um into how we understand pain as a concept in general yeah. And where that pain is actually coming from. Because I think it's important, Alicia, that we separate pain that's coming from an acute injury or a Mm. muscle tissue damage Mm. and a pain that is coming because our body is now sensitized, Mm. which is a word that I'll use and maybe not explain um, too well right now. But our body's actually sensitized to feeling um, a certain thing in a certain area. And we're now protective of that particular area, which, which is what I would consider my knee, my mm. knee pain to be, mm.
0: um,
1: because I've had previous injury. I can go and get actually I went and got an MRM in, in March. I have no damage <laughs> in my knee, yeah. no extra yeah, damage, yeah. but I still feel pain at certain times, um, and and we've really got to separate out those two things. Um, so what we're doing what i'm doing with lots of our chronic pain patients and um, because lots of people uh, with our in our chronic pain programs they have fibromyalgia which is a condition of widespread pain and um, we and they have pain in their in their gut when they eat and they're not necessarily intolerant to anything they don't necessarily have any structural issues that are causing that um, but but by helping them understand their hunger and fullness cues helping them to understand um the way that their body actually uh, actually responds to their food load. And working with an EP to understand well why their pain is present in the first place and um and how movement can help with that that pain and not hinder it and find it protective, which is why I had a smile on my face when you said your para athlete that you mentioned before, sport is one of the only things that actually helps them with their pain for whatever reason. Um, and understanding how they're how their body's responding to to food and other things is actually the way that food is helping people to to help with their pain more than me saying don't eat dairy don't eat gluten don't eat this or that or anything like that because um oftentimes that will just take away from other aspects of life and and it's a restriction that they really don't need to have because it's not actually impacting their pain in any measurable way Mm, i love that
0: my husband's just decided to print something in this room so apologies for any background noise cuts. (laughs) Oh good. I love you. Um, (laughs) um, no, I really like that. I I think that's the key, right? Is um everyone's going to be very individual. Um and it also comes into that um ability and capacity discussion as well, just like the fatigue, that pain can be so fatiguing um in itself and distracting and unmotivating and Um, unseen and and I think that's a really big thing Um, the more I talk to people with that chronic pain is you know the fatigue is such a key part but also trying to explain to people how hard it is is impossible and overwhelming at times because I, I don't think there is a way to actually get people to fully empathize how hard that is until they actually would go through it and you know I myself had um really severe morning sickness um to the point of hg for our third pregnancy and that's that's short term right like i know Mm. that that's there's an end point um Mm. i know that it was one of the most challenging things i've ever done in my life but also that i was still expected to perform and still expected to be productive and be present whether it be in business or family you know we already had two kids um i still had to be and i still had to exist but you know trying to explain to people how hard that is and also um how you know wrong society is to even expect that of someone like me, even in a short sense, um, in a short-term sense, is was impossible um, unless they'd actually been through it themselves. And then in that, like, so that's what I said to one of our athletes who was going through this chronic pain, I honestly can't empathise because I myself, yes, had a really hard time, but I also had an end point, mm-hmm. you know, without that hope, without that, um, you know, it, Endpoint. point I just honestly I, it, it's really debilitating and it's really hard and from a food sense we want to do everything we can but as you said there's no one thing there's no quick fix there's no you know solution there's all these little things that we can place in our controllables um, but yeah and they might all add up to helping um, both in that fatigue but also um, pain sense but and that's why I love what you're doing Luke I feel like There's such an opportunity there, um, you know, in their profession sense for dietetics, um, but um, more so in that discussion and that awareness piece of really challenging for yourself. Like, you know, is this fatigue or pain that I'm experiencing just common and expected considering like what I'm currently doing in terms of my training or my life? Or is it actually something that I need to seek help with and actually ensure that I'm not accepting as my normal?
1: yeah 100 i can't stress enough how important it is that if you feel something is off in this space whether it be with the fatigue um which i'll just say really important point there that that chronic pain is another thing that could lead to a a total like body fatigue as well um that impacts you know it might be back but it, it can yeah. impact your brain it can impact your cognitive uh, abilities it can you know Go there, um, but if you're feeling any of these things, and you feel like it's outside of of your norm, what you would um, what would you what you would consider to be appropriate with your training load, with your cognitive load, with whatever else is going on, first look at the other areas of your life that I'd mentioned today. You know, environmentally, socially, emotionally, are there other things going on that are going to contribute to that? Because that is a big part of this. Mm. But go and get yourself checked. Um, they'll awful and great thing about fatigue is that very rarely anything will show up on a blood test or anything will show up in um in studies or tests or anything like that that's one of the reasons why you've got to have this consistently for about six months before they'll actually label it as chronic fatigue because you've got to go through all those processes and we want to rule out everything else like we we want to make sure that's not from anything else so go and go and get those things done um But you really do need to, yeah, consider, as you said, Alicia, um, whether this is, you know, normal um, result of what your activity is or what your load is or whether it's something you're actually normalising is something that we would say to try and get through. That's something you actually need to look at. Yeah.
0: And and when you're seeking help, like you've made that decision of going, no, I do... I do want to take this further. I do want to, um, you know, see if there's something there or something I can do to help this. As I mentioned very briefly, and as you have as well, it's a really big space and really big talking point in multiple facets, and people will claim very big things uh, in all areas, whether that be through Googling it or on social media or through friends and family and whatnot, everyone will kind of have a solution or an opinion, if you like. Mm. How is someone to know who to trust? But also what are some red flags to, you know, be aware of to go actually that may be an exaggeration or uh, not necessarily accurate? Who, who's the best person to start with, I guess? That
1: is a fantastic question. Um, just as we would in any medical condition, Dr. Google is not, not our friend. Um, pardon me for a second. I just got a tip on my phone. Yeah. Dr. Google is not our friend. Um, anyone that's telling you that they've got a cure for fatigue or chronic pain, um, or long COVID or anything like that. Um, I'd be very, very hesitant on, that's a huge red flag. Anybody that's telling you that they can give you supplements um, that will will cure you of this. Not help, help is perfectly fine. Cure or fix or anything along those lines, those total sort of complete statements. and I think this is just general good advice for probably medicine in in general. But with this stuff, it's huge because, like you said, Alicia, everyone has an opinion. Everyone is, um, uh, everyone knows best when it comes to this sort of stuff. Because uh, the amount of times that people walk into this room and they go, "Oh, um, my my sister said to just sleep more," and I'm like, "If you if you could just sleep more and get rid of this, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be spending money to come and see me to understand this more and try and figure it out, right?" um so anything of that nature um and it can be really hard to hear those sort of comments or you just need to rest more or you just need to um you know um go and see this this person or, or that person or get on this supplement or whatever um and, you, and you'll be perfectly fine i think everything in this space is more nuanced than that certainly um first place to go is uh your gp you have to you have to go through that process to get those preliminary blood tests see if you know, there's anything sort of organic going on, um, and then seeing someone who is experienced with these sorts of conditions um, for whatever you're you're experiencing, um, whether it be the exercise side of things. Um, and needing some some help identifying that baseline or building back into what you were doing. and it'd be a, an exercise physiologist' I'd be or um, you know like obviously that's that's my bias because that's the people I work with. but um you know there are other other professionals who do that sort of stuff as well. Um, but that would be the first port of call. Hmm. um and when you when you when it comes to having trouble with nourishing yourself, um then a dietitian needs to be your first port of call. Um, but there unfortunately aren't a lot of people at the moment who are experienced with this stuff and who do it um, with you know the majority of their patients. Like um, we see, maybe you know, over ninety nine percent of people at our clinic here um, live with these these conditions, mm-hmm. um, and obviously that's the the ideal. But they're with they're few and far between. Um, so you know that's something that I'm really really strong on.
0: Mm, Yeah, that specialisation, I think that's something that um, probably needs handing in is that like, just like I am specialising in sport. uh, I am not a specialist in your area. And Mm. uh, I think even if you have tried to chat to a dietitian or a GP and you haven't felt heard, it's okay to seek out a different option. That doesn't have to be your end point. That doesn't have to be your decision. Or I, I've tried a dietitian and they don't work, or the GP didn't listen. You know what? You probably saw the wrong one. And mm-hmm. like any profession, there's going to be someone who will have more time and more awareness and more education around your specific experience. And also, you want to find someone, particularly if you are experiencing that fatigue and pain that actually understands and can empathize with that experience and want to listen and want to know more you know i use this um example of uh in sport for example that relative energy deficiency in sport that condition of low energy availability a study was done on um sports doctors to see how much awareness they actually had of this condition and it was found that was only about 30 percent in 2014 2015 actually knew about or were aware of this condition and so it just goes to show that even though you might be going to someone and thinking, okay, I'm going to get a solution, it may be a harder road. And I hate that that's the case. That mm. I, You know, that that does really suck, particularly with how much time it might have taken you to even have the, the bravery to go and um, do that first step um, and then to hear that you might have to do it again. Or that person might not have been right. That's really really hard, and I, I totally accept that. That you know that is a really sucky position. Um, yeah. But acknowledging that you can seek help or seek someone else um, is completely um, encouraged, almost.
1: Absolutely, and I can honestly say that uh, most of the patients that come through my doors have seen mm-hmm. a dietitian before,
0: mm-hmm. they've
1: seen an EP before. They'll have mm-hmm. been to multiple different gastros or mm-hmm. um, other specialists or GPs even. Um, mm-hmm to try and find someone who will listen, who mm. will hear uh, and who will understand. And um, any good practitioner will give you this line. I don't really see a lot of people that um, that present like you, but let's find someone who does mm. and I'll refer you to them so mm. that they can they can help. Like you don't come and see me for fertility. that that you just don't I go I send them straight to Steph actually um Mm -hmm. like I've done that multiple times you know like you've um you've got to give yourself yeah you've got to give yourself the best chance but the best thing you can do is go to someone straight away um and and if that's not the right person then it is a hard move sometimes as you said but it's important to keep seeking and keep trying to find that person who is right for you in that in that space
0: yeah absolutely well Oh, my gosh, what an absolute pleasure it's been to chat, Luke. I have enjoyed it so much and I absolutely adore what you are impacting and influencing in this space. I think it is so important and getting that voice out there, that awareness out there is such a critical piece. Um, I've known, you know, a close family with fibromyalgia, for example, and to see their battle with not being heard or recognised mm. um, or validated in their experience has been extremely hard. So to see that now become more accepted but also um, better supported in recovery um, is just so incredible. So um, thank you for all you're doing in that invisible illness space. It's so appreciated and um, I've loved chatting today.
1: No, I really appreciate, again, you having me, Alicia, and it is is such an important area because it is so um, or was so unknown and it's Mm starting to become more known, but we really have this passion to have these illnesses have your fatigue be one day being able to be managed just like diabetes or cardiovascular disease we want it to be that out there be that known and be that well recognized and treated so um you've been uh you know having me on here you've been part of that story today and i can't thank you enough um for giving me that opportunity um and yeah hope everyone's enjoyed it
0: thanks luke appreciate your time mate Again, a massive thank you to Luke for joining us on that podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got those little snippets out of it that um, will mean so much and hopefully feel really tangible and empathetic to what you're currently going through, whether you're someone who would like to improve your energy levels on a day-to-day basis or someone who is really um, suffering through um, that chronic fatigue, that you know, you don't want to accept as your norm, Um, there are some really clear actions you can take to start that recovery process. Now, if you would like to connect with one of our performance dietitians um, to help you on your way, you can absolutely just download our app at Compete Nutrition just by um, searching that in your app store. Alternatively, you can reach out to us on our website. And if you have really resonated with Luke and would love to connect with him, I absolutely urge you to do so. He works at Active Health Clinic. You can connect with them online or via Instagram, um and I am sure he would love to chat. So thank you so much everyone for joining in this discussion, I hope you loved it I hope you loved meeting um, Luke just as much as I love always chatting with him so um, looking forward to our next episode Um, and in the meantime reach out anytime and follow us on the socials we're pretty active on Instagram mainly so compete underscore nutrition and if you're a dietitian, nutritionist wanting more info we are at compete academy on Instagram as well so thank you so much team enjoy the rest of your day, night whenever you are listening uh, and we'll chat soon. Cheers.